that's worthy of the gospel? What does it mean to live worthy of the gospel? And according to Paul, we live worthy of the gospel by promoting unity within the church. Unity that comes particularly from an attitude of humility and a mindset of selflessness. That's how you make Jesus proud. That's how you live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, by promoting unity, by being selfless and humble as we live out our faith in this community, in this church. So if you missed it, you could catch it on our website or on our podcast. Um, But this morning, we're going to continue where we left off last week, sort of. Last week, um, I read part of the, the rest of the passage right before we took the Lord's Supper together, but we didn't really talk about it, so I'm gonna, we're going to go back and, uh, and, and go through it a little, a little more slowly. If you have a Bible, please turn it to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. If you're using the Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 980, right at the bottom. It's also printed in your bulletin. It's part of the outline, and it'll be on the screens. And uh, I read this last week, but it's pretty heavy, so we're just going to march through it. Let me read the whole thing to you first. Paul, again, has just got done saying that we need to be united together, to stand firm and to strive forward together and to be humble and to be selfless. Um, And then he says in verse 5, "'Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant.'" being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." There's a lot going on there. Logan, can we go back to verse 5? We're just going to go through it a little slowly. Have this mind among yourselves. What mind? What mind is he talking about? He's talking about the selflessness and the humility of Jesus that he just got done um, in the previous verses. Have this mind, this selfless, humble mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus and you're following him to live as Christ, if you're living for Christ, he's given you his mindset. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours as a gift from Jesus. It comes from Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, grasped, is the way that I think I've memorized it, and it's probably the way that it is in your Bible. It is not the, the most sort of uh, fluid American English way that you would say this. What it's saying is that though Jesus was in the, was in the form of God, was God, he didn't count equality with God a thing that should be held on to grasped. 
He did not count it a thing to hold on to, so he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus was God, but he did not consider his divinity, his equality with God, his godhood, a thing he needed to hold on to, so he let it go. Verse 7, he emptied himself. Now, we could have a very long discussion about what it means for Jesus to have emptied himself, but I think that it helps to think about the divine attributes, the specifically divine attributes, things like omniscience, that he knows everything, and omnipresence, that he is everywhere. Those specifically divine attributes, Jesus did not hold on to those things. Um, he He didn't delete them, but he put them away and chose not to access them. I think that's the right way to think about it. It's like he has a backpack, and he put them in his backpack, and so he's not accessing them actively. And he needed to do that in order to what? To be born in the likeness of men. So he put those uniquely divine attributes aside, refused to access them so that he could take the form of a servant. He could become a man. So Jesus took his equality with God and he emptied himself. Why? Verse 8, being found in human form, now that he's human, because he's refusing to access his, his particularly divine attributes, he humbled himself. So he's already humbled himself to become a human. And now as a man, he humbled himself even more by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now death is the ultimate expression of God's wrath against sin. Death, biblically, is God's enemy and is punishment for sin. The cross, in particularly, is death reserved for criminals at the time. So Jesus humbled himself to become a man and then humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death, a horrifying, excruciating death on a cross. That's why, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus gave up his divinity in order to save us. Now, before your theology gets all twisted around, let me help out. Jesus was still God entirely, but like I said, he chose to not access those divine attributes in order to save us. Paul says he chose to be empty. He emptied himself. This wasn't something that was done to him. He gave up his access to those things in order to save us. Guys, that's the Jesus that I believe in. That's pretty crazy. That's remarkable. Think about the most important thing in your life. The most important thing. Think about it. Would you give that up for anything? The most important thing to you. Would you give that up 
think about Jesus as God loving us, in particular loving you, so much that as God, he said, I'm going to give up my godlyhood so that I can come and rescue you. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus who's the head of the church. That's the Jesus who's the head of this church. That's the Jesus we listen to. And that's the Jesus whom one day every single knee, every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that he truly is the Lord. That he truly is the Lord. The Jesus who gave up his divinity, he didn't stop being God, but he gave up his, his access to those things, he, and Paul says, emptied himself so that he could rescue you. But that same Jesus who gave up everything for you, that same Jesus marked his life and made his decisions and those big moves. And he showed us two things. We see them in verse eight. Number one is humility. That he humbled himself. Being found in human form, he humbled himself. And then he, by becoming obedient. So we see humility and obedience coming from Jesus in this verse. Jesus shows us how to live. How, do we, how are we supposed to live as Christians? We follow Jesus, right? He shows us how to live. He shows us how to, how to walk through this world. And Jesus gave up everything for the good of people who were his enemies at the time. That's not just remarkable. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's also heart-wrenching. Jesus just, he walked, he just, he gave up everything because he loves us. What Paul says in this is that you also should have this mindset. Have this mindset, which is found in Christ Jesus, that he gives us. This mindset that is willing to give up whatever is really, 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 really important to us in order to bless others. So Jesus considered his divinity, his equality with God, not something that he needed to hold on to. Let me ask you this, and it's a rhetorical question, so don't confess in front of the church, but what are you not willing to give up? Jesus had his godlyhood, and he said, I'm not, I don't need to hold on to that. I'm willing to give that up so that I can, I can save people that I love, so that I can bless people, so that I can reach the lost and show them how to have a renewed, restored relationship with God the Father. If Jesus is willing to do that, what are you not willing to do? Would you give up Well, let me say this. He's not asking you to give up your humanity. 
He's not asking you to, to live the rest of your life, you know, as some sort of animal, as a, like a frog. He's not asking you to give up that. That's what Jesus gave up. He gave up his godliness, his godhood, so that he could rescue you. He's not asking you to do that. He's not asking you to do that. So what's next? Anything, anything that Jesus asks you to give up so that you can bless others should be easy compared to what he gave up to rescue you and to adopt you into his holy family. Anything else is like peanuts. We should say, yes, Lord. What do I have that could be for you? What do I have that could glorify you? Uh, My health, my family, uh, my wealth, uh, my time, my energy. I give you everything. You have everything. Everything that I have, like the song this morning, every, every breath in my lungs is from you. You can have it all. Anything that I have that I hold away from you that I'm not willing to give to you is an idol to me. And God, I don't want that. Everything is for you. And we have that mindset in Christ Jesus when we follow him. And that's a spiritual thing because there's, there's no way that me and myself would be willing to just give up those things in order to be part of a club, right? If Costco called me one day and said, I need you to give up your dog, in order to continue your Costco membership, well, I, I might be okay with that. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad example. But this relationship that we're called to with Jesus is a supernatural commitment that he gives us so that we can say, Lord, I, every, everything that I have is yours. And we should. That's what Paul was telling the Philippians to do, to be willing to give up everything for the people that God loves and that Jesus died to save because that's what he did. He continues in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but, also, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This, um, this work out your salvation, your own salvation in fear, with fear and trembling, is really similar to what Paul said in the previous chapter, which we looked at when he said, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's not saying that we need to keep working to get our salvation. He's saying, Uh, keep working out your salvation that you already have. Work out your salvation. I I think of it like um, Christmas lights. You know Christmas lights, when you get your Christmas lights out um, for the new season that's coming up, and there are like, it's a big ball, and you have to spend a while. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You're not responding loud enough to me when I ask you questions. Um, can I get like a couple people to come and help me? Destiny, will you help me? Someone else? No, not Walter. <laughs> someone, someone else? You want to help? All right, girls. 
so, okay, it's Christmas time, and we need to, well, here, it's just one step at a time. We need to, oh my gosh, here, oh, here, can you find the end? There's an end. Is there an end in there? No, because they connect. It's not? Oh, they're connected. Okay, can you find an end, and can you plug it in to this right here? And then can you untangle these lights for me? No, just, just these. Just these. These are fine. Yeah. Can you do that? Okay, thank you. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. I'm back. Okay. So when Paul says, therefore, because God, because Jesus is humble and we see, I mean, ultimate humility in Jesus, he says, therefore, uh, keep obeying like you always have, not just because I'm there with you, but even as maybe especially when I'm gone, in my absence, he says, work out your own salvation, work it out with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Oh, right here. Beautiful. Okay. I need you to untangle them. Like, I'm going to put them up on the... Well, I'm, yeah, just, just get them untangled, okay? Thank you. Oh. We'll talk later. Okay, um, so... When he says, work out your own salvation, I'm thinking about Christmas lights because when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you salvation like this. And you go, great. What am I supposed to do with it, right? Do you remember when you were first saved? Do you remember that? And you're going, what do I do with it now? And the, the truth is that it's sort of a mess, right? It's not really a mess, but it's like, it's like these. They're actually not tangled. <laughs> They're not tangled. They just, they look tangled, right? So keep, keep untangling. Go ahead. Just ignore me. Um, you receive salvation as a sort of a clump, and the instruction manual is like this thick, right? It's called the Bible. And so it's not immediately clear about what you're supposed to do with it. So Paul says, as you continue, as you continue to go, even though I'm here in prison and I'm looking forward to being with you, work out your salvation. In other words, take this thing that Jesus has given you and start pulling it apart, right? But don't just tear at it, right? In fact, these are not mine, so just don't, just be careful, I'm borrowing them from, from Bruce and Shannon. So just, yeah, yeah. So just be careful. Okay. So he says, work out your own salvation. But he says, do it with fear and trembling. Why? Because that salvation that God has given you, do you know what it cost him? He gave up everything in order for us to be able to have salvation. When he gives it to you, he expects you to handle it like it's a precious, holy, invaluable thing to him, because it is. It cost him everything in order to be able to give that to you. 
Every single light in the strand of your salvation matters incredibly to God. And what he doesn't want is he doesn't want you just to take it and hold it and say, I've got my salvation, now I'm fine, and I'm just going to continue to live like this. He says, no, keep working it out. Because the goal is not to keep it. Again, humility, what we see in Jesus is that he took what was valuable and he gave it up for others. The goal is not to just hold on to these lights. The goal is to pass them around and to make sure that you're blessing others with this. That's the goal. That's why he says, keep working it out and do so with fear and trembling because for it is God who is working this into you. So the truth is, is that when you get down, you get into your salvation and you're pulling it out and you're growing in Christ. As you grow, what does God do to you? He gives you more. Not more salvation, but more opportunities to work it out, to live it out. Because this box has still got a lot more lights in it. So when they're done, I'm just going to plug them more in. You hear Destiny, she's like, okay. That's what God does, is he gives you salvation, and then he, and then he asks you, uh, he compels you by the Holy Spirit to work it out, to share that, to take that and spread it around, to be a blessing to others, because that's what Jesus did for you. And that's what he's saying to the Philippians, is that ultimately, humility is hard. Can I get an Amen. Blessing others and not keeping things to yourself, that's hard to do. We live in a world that doesn't want to do that, that doesn't value humility. So he says, I need you to keep working on it. I need you to keep working out your salvation, keep growing spiritually, and do it carefully because it's God who is giving this to you. These things that you're getting opportunities to do, I need you to be careful with because they're really, really precious to the Lord. The way that I wrote it in your outline is take what you've received from God and untangle it. Untangle it. And as you do, you're doing a good job. Girls, you're doing a great job. I don't know. They're not mine. I told you. And they're, they're, they're also not going to end because I've got more. Are we just gonna plug them so here's what, but, so here's what I, I will get back to you in one moment. Let me read this next part. So you know how frustrating it is to untangle things, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Which is why I didn't want Walter to do it because he's had a long, long road ahead of him today. So you're welcome. It's because I love you. Um, I love them too. Um, <laughs> the, goal, the, the goal of untangling is a frustrating process. And it's the same in your spiritual walk. As you get opportunities to do things and you fail, it's frustrating to pull something and then just think that you're doing the right thing and then to realize that's not the right way to do it. I should have been doing it a, a different way. You're going to make mistakes as you go. And it's frustrating. So Paul says in the next verse, starting in 14, do all of these things without grumbling or disputing. Yeah? 
Now you know why I'm talking about the Christmas lights, right? Because when I do Christmas lights at my house, I'm like, oh, these Christmas lights. Uh. Paul says, all of these spiritual things that you're working out, do them without grumbling. Do them without disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Amen? Amen. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 2,000 years ago, Paul described their generation, their people as crooked and twisted. And I think we could say that same thing is true today, amen? We live in a crooked and twisted generation that values pride and ego, that, that, that uh, uh, values violence. We live in a violent society. Uh, we live in a broken world, a dark world. And so Paul says that as you work out your salvation, that God keeps giving you, as you work it out, Do it without grumbling, because grumbling and everything, that's stuff that this world does. That's the crooked and twisted part of the world that we live in. Don't be like that. And I know that it's hard. It's like playing soccer on a field where everyone else is playing football. No one else is playing the same game. It's very frustrating. But he says, don't complain about it, but be bright lights in this world. Shine as lights in the world. So, can we do something? Girls, you've done an excellent job. Logan, can you turn off the lights? Can we, can we appreciate just for a second that this, this tangled mess that I have right here is okay, but if we were able to... You take your job seriously, I love it. If we were able to take this strand out into the sanctuary, do you understand that this would provide out there a lot more light than if I just held it here? That's the goal. The goal here is that we would shine as lights in the world as we work out our salvation. That this thing, you guys have done very well, thank you. Your services are appreciated, but no longer needed. Thank you. You did a good job. Being gentle. Thank you. The goal of your salvation is not to bless you. The goal of your salvation is that you can bless others, that you can share that with people, not to hold on to it, but to give it away, to give it away. And what Paul is saying here in this last part of the verse, he's telling us to live out the gospel by living differently from our world's culture. That's that, that last blank that you've got. Live out the gospel by living differently from our world's culture. Because the world is dark. We live in a dark culture, in a dark world. We can't show them Jesus if we act just like them. It doesn't mean live separately from the world. It means live in the world, but live as lights in darkness. And you can't do that. You won't do that by holding on to it. You do that by showing people. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that you don't light a lamp and then leave it under a basket. You let it shine. And that's the whole goal that Paul is, is encouraging the Philippians. But it's hard. 
It is hard. It's hard to live distinctly. But don't grumble about it. Did you hear me? Don't grumble about it. It's hard, but it's hard for everybody. So don't complain about it. Just do it. Live as bright lights for Jesus, working out your salvation. And the key, this whole thing, is humility. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about what you want. Don't make it about what's good for you. Think about others. Think about others because Jesus thought about you. So this passage um, has really three specific encouragements for us. The first one is to bless others. You see that at the beginning when Jesus gave up the thing that was most important to him for our good, and then we're supposed to do the same. We take that mindset and we live that out. Don't hold on to it. Bless others. With whatever God has given you that's valuable, use it to bless others. And number two, don't stop. Keep working on it because it's frustrating and it's hard and you're going to make mistakes, but don't just give up. Keep working out your salvation. Keep working on it because every light, if you can take one light from this mess and get that light out and free that, that's something that was a blessing to somebody. And that's exactly what God wants from you. It's for you to work out that salvation so that it blesses others for God's glory, for God's good pleasure is the way that, it's, that Paul writes it in, in Philippians 2. And third, hold fast to God's word. This world is full of self-help, It's full of strategies and sayings and traditions. But for us, verse 16 says, we shine like lights in this world by holding firm to the word of life because traditions come, traditions go, strategies come and strategies go. Things are in style, then they're out of style, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for 